Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Hollywood Mike Connolly with the double biceps. It is in the contract a legal requirement every single time we appear on camera. The man to my left, but to your right, the co-founder, the co-breather of air, the co-pilot, the co-wearer of clothes in this very room. It is, in fact, the master of disaster, the king of sting, the Count of Monte Cristo. It is, in fact, Thunderlips, the ultimate male. It is the winner of the Dave Stockbridge of the Year Award. Got it there, there it is, the illustrious trophy held by the illustrious man with the illustrious beard. It is none other than your friend and mine. It is Dave, Dave Stockbridge, Stockbridge. Well, thank you very much for that very, very warm welcome. Again, Hollywood, Matt Connolly. <laughs> and we are uh, in the studio today with a very, very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Carly Gangel, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, champion, Carly Gangel. Well, well, I feel like, that, yeah, I undersold that, didn't I? So, <laughs> former world champion, Muay Thai, Muay Thai world champion, correct? Yes. Yep, any other world championships, do you know? Uh, Riddler? Riddle Solver? Riddle Quiz show uh, winner. Uh, Quiz master? Uh, Quiz master. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, so not only are you a former world champion, you, you're very much involved in the running of a very successful gym here in Adelaide, and you are um, running some pretty spectacular events in the in the world of Muay Thai and kickboxing. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, so Boar's Martial Arts down at Lonsdale. Been involved with that with my dad for... Oh, God, how, oh I'm 26 next week. I'm not going to do the math anyway. A while. Like 20, <laughs> 23 years now. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so after my... Child, like a bit labour. <laughs> <that's into. laughs> well, I mean, I started learning then, but I mean, it certainly wasn't working. Really. Oh, uh, were you? <laughs> do, do you know the difference? Did he blur the lines? Probably a little bit. You know? <laughs> that's, how, that's how family businesses go, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So you basically, you started under the counter of the family business and, and uh, found yourself experiencing great success uh, in the ring as well Um, and when did you start your competitive career? Uh, So I trained in martial arts from when I was three uh, surrounded by my family. Um, It wasn't until I got to about 12 years old that dad took me to my first fight show and then from there I wanted to compete. As soon as I saw the ring I was like that's what I want to do. Um, and it just so happened to be that there was a female fight on the card that night, which was quite rare back then. Yep. Um, and it was actually one of my now friends, Anita, uh, and she was fighting. So um, literally from that moment, seeing the girls walk into the ring and seeing how it sounds so strange, but how beautiful their violence was, I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. And then I started training from there. And then I had my first fight when I was 15, and I guess the rest is history. Mm. Incredible. And and how – so from 15, and, and when did you win your first world championship? Uh, so I had a pretty big junior career. I, I think I, as a junior I was quite developed, so I didn't look like a junior and I didn't fight juniors. So I did have quite a few fights with people my own age, like if you know you go to nationals and whatnot. But in terms of fighting, I had my first unpadded pro fight when I was 16 and that was against someone in their 30s so even though I was a junior I didn't really have a junior fight career whereas now there's rules in place that make sure that juniors are fighting juniors so I feel like when I was fighting I had quite a fair bit of opportunity to get into those pro ranks a lot quicker than what they probably do now so it's very lucky in that sense that I had the padding off by the time I was 16 and fighting five rounds opposed to now 
you know, they can only really fight three rounds and they're fully padded, especially in SA. So, mm. are you able to throw elbows and everything once you hit that? I'm taking the pads off. Is it now? Now you've got elbows involved, or is that in a certain degree? There's different grades, like juniors. You've got restrictions, and then it goes through. Um, you know, restrictions get removed as you get sort of up through the ranks? It's a bit of a blurry answer because it depends what sanctioning body you're under. So the one that I'm involved with, it's very structured to keep the kids safe, obviously. So I think they do their first maybe three fights without elbows, mm-hmm. um, fully padded, and then it starts to add the elbows in, take the padding off as they go. Um, whereas when I was fighting, I was... It was elbows from the get-go, so okay. which I would almost argue <laughs> is actually, I think, better almost because you're learning to fight more cautiously from the start mm. rather than having, say, five fights, modified tie rules and then adding elbows in once all the padding's off. Like mm. that to me is mm. not ideal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when did, at what point did you realise that you – you had all the potential to be uh, at the top level? Um, I think when you travel interstate and you see the people at their top and then you're like, oh, actually, I can tango with them. And I had some interstate matches with some pretty strong fighters. And then I think from there I realised that I had something almost special. Like I had the I had the skill and the ability, but I also had the work ethic. So I... I remember dad always telling me, like, you have to be the hardest worker in the room. You're the first person here. You're the last person to leave. And I feel like that was drummed into me from when I first started. Like, it was very much a hardcore training environment. So I think that probably played a big part because I was so young. I had that pushing me to Did you to feel be you the best had, I could be. You perhaps had some of that pressure because you are a dad's daughter and all eyes are on you and you're maybe the example amongst those others that you're training with? Uh, probably. I think I was I was definitely treated the harshest. <laughs> like I was, yeah, like it's just, you know, I feel like I was told the least but mm. I was given the eyes, the mm. eyes of get going, yeah. do better. And <laughs> I think that pressure almost, that I mean they say pressure makes diamonds. So like yeah. I'm glad that I had that environment and that stress of, I'm not doing good enough because it made me always want to be better. Mm. If you lose, you're out of the family, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever come back. <laughs> yeah. Literally, be something or get out. That's right. <laughs> do, you, do you feel yourself now that you are training that next generation of fighters, doing that a little bit yourself, like just kind of holding that expectation on your star or knowing that somebody can do a little bit better, like almost knowing their potential more than they do? Yeah, I think that's a coach's job. Like mm. it's the coach's job to expect more from you because mm. otherwise you're just sitting at your level. Whereas if my expectation's here, you're constantly striving. And even if you go from here to here, it's still better than what you were doing under your own expectations. So. Mm. I think it's almost a trainer's job to think you can do more, you can push harder, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Was yeah. it always the goal, like once you got involved in, in fighting competitively, did you say, I'm going to be world champion or was it that that opportunity presented itself and you said, oh, that, that sounds great, that's what I want to do? Or was it from the get-go you're like, that's where I'm going, I'm going to be world champion? I think from the get-go I knew that I wanted to be up there. Like I didn't want to set – I hated losing. Mm-hmm. I was not – I mean in the ring I was a very good loser but I didn't like 
the feeling of losing. So I, after I had my first loss, I trained to never feel that way again. Mm-hmm. So I think I was just constantly trying to be better to not feel that sense of loserism. What, what, <laughs> what, what, what actually happened with that, that loss? So... How, how did your career start off and, and where was the loss in that career? So I had my first fight at the Nationals. So at that time I couldn't fight in South Australia because I was too young. So I flew up to the Muay Thai Nationals to have my first fight. <laughs> Always a good idea. <laughs> Great idea, right? <laughs> uh, I don't remember the first fight. It was such a blur. Like wow. it was just intense. And I think when you go in for your first fight, you don't expect the intensity that it is. Mm. Like, it's just different, the adrenaline, the nerves, someone actually trying to knock you out, mm. whatnot. But I didn't expect really to win it, but I did win it. Mm. And then because there was actually no one else in the division, I just fought the, the two girls that I had, it got me a ticket to the world championships. Wow, well, there you go, straight off the bat. <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, right? yeah. So, <laughs> because I couldn't get matched in South Australia, we actually went over to Thailand and I had, I think, two or three fights to try and get some experience in the ring under my belt. Because mm. I had lots of training experience, but it doesn't always translate mm. to competition, yeah, uh, yeah. as we know. So, I did end up going to the world titles <laughs> for my, I think it was like my fourth or fifth fight as an amateur, and uh, I was up against... If you're in the Muay Thai world, you know who Neve Kyneham is, mm. and that was who I was faced with. So she right. actually just won another WBC world title. So she's this incredible athlete from the UK, and her junior career over there, they have 150 to 200 amateur junior fights. Like, they pump them wow. through, right? So when Aussies or some other countries meet these kids at the world titles, they're just seasoned veterans. Anyway, so I drew her. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I just remember when I was in there, I just could not believe the skill, the resilience, like just the athleticism of this fight. So you, you're, you're like observing this as a third person whilst you're in it. 100%. You're like and like I'm, you're in the matrix or something. I'm, the almost, I'm almost spending more energy just admiring her. Wow. <laughs> I am trying to defend myself. <laughs> um, so I ended up losing on points, which in hindsight was great because I didn't get hurt because yeah. she is a dangerous woman. She's mm. real good. Um, and then... I, I mean, at the time, I actually wasn't that disappointed because it was – I was like, oh, my – I can't believe I've been in the ring with her. Yeah. But then as I went on training after that, I thought I never want to feel outclassed like that again. Mm. And I know the experience was different, but it, do, it doesn't matter. You still feel pretty average. Mm. So yeah. I think after that first loss, I was just so driven to almost be like her. Wow. Like I, just, I still follow her journey. I think she's like the pinnacle of – amazing female martial arts like she is and did awesome. you ever get the chance to meet her again in in the ring no no we're very different weight divisions okay. uh, so it was never going to happen in the in the pro ranks yeah um but she my next loss that i had my own hang on you're testing my memory i think one of my only other losses they actually just fought Oh. Yes, and that was just as a spectator to sit there and watch that and I'm like, she's beaten me, she's beaten me. They're just up there in my books and to watch them fight was mm. so cool. Wow. Yeah. Did, so, so cool. Did wow. Neve uh, say anything to you after your fight? 
Yeah, yeah, she will obviously get talking and you're like, oh, what have you done? She's like, oh, I've had, you know, 100 junior <laughs> flights or whatever. And she's like, how many have you had? I'm like, oh, you're number four. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, us Aussies come slightly underprepared. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, from there I promised myself I would make gold the next time I got the opportunity to go. So, And, mm. and is there still that deficit for Australian athletes who, who aren't as active in the ring? Um, as compared to, say, the UK or especially Thailand, for instance, you know? I yeah. think so. It's just the pathways of every country, the pathways are different and the ones that bring the juniors up are the ones that have got the strongest pros. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Australia, we're still trying to work that out a little bit. As I was saying before, with the rules that we've got in place, mm-hmm. it's actually trying to create pathways to get them more experienced. So mm-hmm. there is still a gap, but, I mean... The pros that we do have here that go to the world championships are incredible. So I feel like that standard has lifted hugely over the last five years. Yeah, and mm. and is that in in part why you've got involved in doing uh, in promoting yourself and putting on these 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 wonderful events? Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, it was I got the career that I had because somebody gave me an opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. and I would like to be that person for others mm. to get that opportunity and, and get that recognition and, and fight on a big show and, and whatnot. So I think I was very fortunate and a lot of people believed in me, so I want to provide that platform for other local fighters. Fantastic. And and so when when was your first uh, Pride Fight Series event? Or 2018, I think. I think I had just... Oh, again with the math. I think I just turned 21 when I ran my first Wow. One. If you yep. had four teacups. <laughs> <laughs> How many are broken when one falls off? <laughs> so, uh, you, you, I mean, that's really young to be taking on the responsibilities of, of running a major event. Yeah, it was. I still don't know why I did it or how I did it. <laughs> and and had, what, what made you feel like, okay, this is something I can do? Like you'd obviously been to a few events, but had you taken an interest in that, that business side of uh, things previously? Um, Not really. I think it was being a fighter and then transitioning into being a trainer, having my own fighters and wanting them to fight under a particular rule set to make sure that they're developing how they should be. And then also giving them a professional platform where their needs are put first. So making sure that they were treated well and that also means bringing in quality opponents, not walkover opponents and stuff like that. So that was a big reason that I wanted to get into it. Mixed in with the fact that I've always loved coordinating and almost drowning in work. (laughs) I, I get stressed but I thrive off sink or swim so and promoting is a perfect gig for that yeah, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah if you didn't have high blood pressure before promoting yeah then that's certainly right. that's the remedy that's right and i look 50 <laughs> <laughs> so it's working it's almost like the, the last event you had two events in the same day yeah, just because just like yeah, oh I let's honestly, do 40 amateur fights and then 100 professional fights in oh, one day as um <laughs> the start to pride has actually been really rocky like it's been it has not gone to plan at all. Like I'm, I don't know how many years I'm into promoting now and I've just had my fourth event this year. Mm-hmm. And I think COVID plus every venue, so I've had three, three venues now 
Uh, so the first one got knocked down, so I was like, oh, got to find a new venue. <laughs> the second one, when I ran it, after a few events had been there, they decided no combat sports there again. Oh. So because we found a venue and several of us were using it and then it's council owned, need I say more, uh-huh. uh, decided no more combat sports events. So I was like, okay, I've run three shows now. <sighs> I need another venue. So that's when I came across the last one at Hearts Mill and it wasn't even advertised. It was because someone let me know about it and then I saw it and as soon as I walked in, I went, I can I can see the vision here. But as a promoter, it's really stressful to change venues. Everything mm. has to change. Mm-hmm. The layout, you've got to do your risk management again. Like it's starting from scratch. Whereas once you've got your base at a venue, it's rinse and repeat and then Mm. you can fine-tune the things that didn't go smoothly or what you need to change. So I feel like I've had to restart for every show so far Mm. and it's quite draining. So I'm hoping now that I've got a venue that I love, I can be a better promoter because I'm going to have everything in place, the templates are all there and then I can just work on getting the little things right. Mm. And uh, and if people are uh, watching this, for instance, and they're thinking, oh, I, w- I wouldn't mind checking out what, you know the, the last uh, Pride Fight series, where, where can they find that? That's yep, um, they're all going to go up on YouTube, so all the ah. fights and stuff will be up. Brilliant. Well, they're slowly going up at the moment. Okay, yep. fantastic. And, and so planning is now well underway for the next couple of events which are planned for next year is that correct yes so um carly versus neve is the main event is that (laughs) (laughs) what a dream i'd love to have it's the rematch (laughs) we've all been waiting for (laughs) (laughs) catch weight would be nice um yeah so hopefully each year i'm going to run in may and september for pride now that i've got a venue and can work out all the finer details, so yeah. the fun really is just beginning. So, so what makes for a successful event for you? Um, okay, I'll get my list of about 500,000 <laughs> things out. Um, the biggest thing I think I've learnt from promoting is that nothing goes 100% right all the time. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I feel like I did well with in the last one was just having quality people involved in the show So that means people that share the same passion and they care about the fighters and they care about people having a good experience. And I think by making sure I had those people involved in the show, it made everything run a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. So when things did go wrong, if it was the right person dealing with it and actually understanding what they needed to do, it just made the event run a lot smoother. It's like at the last event, I think we had where the, one of the ring, uh, one of the ropes, one went. of the ropes yeah. broke, the rope and I think snapped. within twelve seconds, was there like was about forty guys had jumped up with tools. <laughs> and they where were did the tools come from? Do, do, you know, <laughs> do you know what's so funny is that when we were packing the ring, so I've got one group of guys from my gym that know how the ring go together, like in and out. They know it like the back of their hand, right? And I use the same people for the ring set up now. And when we were packing the ring, we have two sets of ropes. I have the pride ropes and I have the gym ropes. And I said to Dad, oh, take we don't need those ropes. Like, take them out. Mm. And he goes, no, <laughs> we're keeping them in there. And if he hadn't made that decision, <laughs> wow. that's what I mean by the right people. Yeah. They understand the ring better than I do. I'm trying to save space, fit other stuff into the trailer. And he's like, nah. Staying in there. 
And then as soon as the ring rope snapped, mm-hmm. there were five guys that knew exactly what they were doing. It's like, it's like they came from the ceiling. Yeah, it was, like it was, a pit, like, it was a pit stop sort of thing. It was like... Abseiled down from the roof. They had their packs on there and it was just... So did Dad gloat at all like a little bit later? Did he go, hey... He didn't uh, have to say anything. You just got the look. Look of expectation and disappointment. I've never been so grateful for my dad being right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that that was honestly one of those things that you wouldn't expect to go wrong. No. No. Like... You just wouldn't. If I had before when the ring goes up. We have. I get the guys to jump on them. I'm like, make sure it's stable. Yeah, yeah, go and yeah. run at the ropes. It yeah. seemed. To, it seemed to break when nothing was going on yeah. as well. Like it yeah, it, it, it happened when one of the trainers pressed down uh, to let their fighter in the ring, and right. I think I don't know. Just obviously gave way, but yeah, thank yeah. God we had spare ropes. <laughs> but. So grateful we went through it because now I'm going to be so prepared next time. Next I'm going to have ten sets of ropes out. We've <laughs> <laughs> got an entire ring set up just to push it in, <laughs> just yeah. in case. Another yeah. spare one. So, so what's really important to you as a promoter? So, at the end of the night, and, and as you're looking at everything, obviously it's good to have all the bills paid and everything. But for you, uh, it sounds to me like it's you know giving those athletes a, a platform and an opportunity to to compete at a new level. But you, you've it, I guess you could do that, but without the spectacular production values, because you, you do a really good job at making not just the the event look spectacular, but the athletes as well. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's it goes back to what I would have wanted as a fighter, mm-hmm. and it's not. I'm not saying the production's the be all and end all, but it's the professionalism and the more people that are coming and getting involved in the sport, the better the more I can give the fighters. So, for example, that last show, because I feel like I had set a standard for Muay Thai with the production and the lighting and whatnot, I attracted different sponsors. And Mm. with the sponsors, I always said, I want the fighters to be able to take home shorts to remember that fight. They fought in them. They either had a war in them, lost in them, won in them, whatever. I wanted the shorts. And by attracting those sponsors, I was able to afford to buy the shorts to give the fighters. So awesome. it's, it's the little things like that. And, I mean, you can't have it all at the start. It's something that you've got to build up. So now that, like I said, I've got that base, there are little things that I want to do for the fighters that I can now do because mm. I've built it up with the production, attracted sponsors and got the right people involved to be able to give them more, essentially. Mm. It very much felt like a, a, a fully professional show and, and I should put money in the UFC jar at the moment. <laughs> but going along to... It's, to, just, it's just, just over the side, it's there. <laughs> you hear a clink in there later. Um, but going to their, their performances and their, sorry, their events and their shows and seeing the level of production that they've got and they're spending millions of dollars on, on their events, comparatively, I didn't see a lot of difference between what they were doing and what you were doing. Mm-hmm. So you had an amazing entrances, the, the, the sound looked fantastic, the sound was fantastic, the lighting was fantastic, the competitors, the, the feeling in the room, the atmosphere, the ring announcer oh. did a great job. The best part. Yeah, but the, even the, the pride on the gloves, like everything looked like this is a professional organisation and they're putting on an incredible event. And for the people that were there in person, that they got their money's worth uh, by a, a huge ton. And then anybody watching it, on because it was streamed as well, is that, yep. that, 
that would have just been absolutely amazing to see. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just looked absolutely top-notch. So I think mm. you did an amazing job. Yeah, Thank you. Well, that, means, that means a lot because there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of people oh. that have to chip in to bring that together. And as I was saying, it's finding the people that have the same passion and want to see it do well. And that means the production, running smoothly, crisis management, <laughs> 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 a little bit of everything. But it is... Any promoter out there, it is the hardest job. It's a thankless job. Mm. It's, you have to do it for the love or you can't do it. Yeah, that's right. And and you had like fighters pulling out like last in the last week and all these medical things that were playing up and you know, it would just be those last minute replacements and you know, fighters who have trained for 12 weeks or something ready and then you've got to tell them your opponent's uh, actually pulled out. So, it's oh. the most awful feeling. It's yeah. really horrible and it's almost like when you never hope a, a fighter has an injury or something awful happen but when they have a legit reason you go – People will understand, mm. but there's people that pull out just because. Yeah. And then you just it, making that phone call to the other trainer is a really horrible feeling. <sighs> and I take everything personally and mm. I feel that hurt. I feel the disappointment. And then you do what you can to rematch it, but sometimes it's just not it's not possible. Yeah. It sucks. I know it's a little bit controversial, but you, you almost put on the, the first uh, transgender fight in, in Australia <laughs> in the history. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's uh, great. Uh, somebody uh, got one of those names that could look, be a male or female name. We all make mistakes, <laughs> and that was my – I will laugh about that one, but uh, it's, it's still sour. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what actually happened with that. Oh, okay, so I made a boo-boo. So. <laughs> Not sure why I wanted to run a double card, but I did. Uh, so really I was dealing with a lot. I had 50 fighters on. <sighs> after all the pull, after several pullouts, I had 50 fighters on that car, on the double card. Yeah. So wow. getting them all um, – so once obviously you got your fight card and you submit it to the office for rec and sport and I expect that dealing with them, if there's any big flags, they come back to me. But given that there were 50 fighters – And they're the government body, aren't they? Yes. So they've got everybody registered. Yeah, and, and they, yep. they do an awesome job. But because I gave them 50 fighters, they had a big task in getting through. So I mm. had this card matched and they were going to need a couple of weeks to go through the card. So – Wow. It could have been flagged earlier, but it's also my screw up. Not, <laughs> it's not their job to pick it up, but that was a, it was going to be flagged eventually. Uh, it would have come. It would, it have, would have come to a point yeah. where they've gone, actually, this is male and female. So what had <laughs> happened? <laughs> so matching juniors is really hard. So when you find, like, so you've got to have them in the same age bracket and the same weight bracket, which mm -hmm. is very challenging mm, and yeah. it's same experience bracket mm. yeah so i had two names that could be boy or girl <laughs> right but i knew that one of them was a girl because i had seen her train in videos before yeah. and i had these come together anyway i matched the fight sent the matches to both of the trainers no one thought anything of it <laughs> no one thought anything. <laughs> until uh one trainer came back to me and said uh, but I just want to check the, the gender of the opponent. And then I was like, oh, actually that's probably a good – I was like, well, I think it's a girl. But mm. then when I looked them up, 
like uh, I was boy. wrong. <laughs> was a boy. So I quickly called the other trainer yeah. and uh, he was like, oh, I would never have picked that up. Because oh, that name right. could have been a boy's name. Yeah. And I was like. Something like Jamie or something like that, which well, could be either or. Yeah. One was Marley. Mm. Oh, okay. Which I know a boy and a girl called Marley. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one was Jackie. Oh, yeah, uh, okay. There you which go. Which actually was a boy, but. I oh. wrongly assumed it was a girl. Mm. Wow. And I matched it. <laughs> so two weeks out, uh, that was flagged. Yeah. Was like, That's a big mistake. <laughs> well, at least you found out two weeks out yeah. and not the night Imagine off. Imagine weighing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh no, that's hang, a problem. Wait, wait a second. Oh, no. Yes. You guys still yeah. cool with it? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what, yeah what, one of the trainers was really good about it. He had a laugh and he was like, oh, I would never have picked it. It's fine. Moving on. I <laughs> didn't have that same response from the other, oh, the other no. guy. Uh, Not at all. And uh, I, will, I take it on the chin. I'm sure, I'm sure he's big... having a bit of a laugh now. Uh, I'm sure if he watches the podcast, he'll be Yeah, right. he's a big fan, whoever uh, it is. Definitely not a fan. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a mistake. But, again, I made the mistake. I learned from a, I'll check everyone's gender. No, we don't. <laughs> Now we know. She so never assumed the gender. That's, that's, that's right. right. Oh. I, was, I was distraught about it. Like it was, I felt like the worst person mm. in the world. Mm. And I called an interstate promoter just to get it off my chest. I was like, oh, I've made this mistake. And he was like, yeah, me too. I've done that oh, before. Right. And I was like, oh, oh, oh okay. All right. It <laughs> okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, so, uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. No. Okay. I was going to say. It's I was just going to embarrass myself with my next story. So if you cut in, I might not. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, Jamie Foxx, the, the, the actor, um, he was trying to get up on a, a stand-up comedian go. And they, they whatever he put his name down and whatever his real name is, he would never get a shot. And they kept calling girls up and he's like all right i'm just going to write down like six names which could be a boy or a girl so and and then the one that got called up was jamie fox and then so he's like that's me and then he's gone <laughs> up there and then he stuck with that name and that's how he actually used that name for the rest of his career but uh there you go. yeah that's not his real name but if you want to embarrass yourself now you can feel free. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think you saved me. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> Please take, take the pressure off me matching a boy and a girl. Uh, I, was, I was at a charity auction event and uh, there was about 300 people in the room and um, and I don't know if you know, but I, I, I should wear glasses. So especially when I'm oh. driving, you know. But, uh, so uh, a little bit short-sighted. Yeah, I mean, not to get in the car with I never, you. Never dropped <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, I'm, I'm calling this auction. It's about 300 people. It's a little, the light's a little bit dim. It's, it's in the evening time. And uh, there's a uh, you know people are bidding all across the room, and um, I, th- I think we were raising money for Rotary or something like that, and, <laughs> uh, and we're carrying on the bids. And there's uh, this person bidding at the back, and they're going, "Yes, sir, thank you very much for your bid." And uh, she's got your bid there, and then and then I realised that maybe it's not a sir, it's just a really big lady with, oh. with a tank top on, and. Um, yeah, and then, so, so as I'm calling the bid, um, I could see that they're going, sir, like I could see, she calling you a sir, and I could see, like, I, even though I couldn't see that well, I could see that they weren't happy, I could feel it from the back of the room, <laughs> and then it's like, so I'm pretending to call a, the bid like it's behind them, and they're like, looking like, there's no one behind me, there's no one behind me, you can't, and then very fortunately somebody just, like, went with the next bid over here, and they didn't bid anymore, and mm. I was able to just kind of, anyway, it, it seemed like nobody had noticed until 
the next day and I haven't been invited back to do it. <laughs> so there you go. I, oh, that's great. I, I thought you were going to say that it was a statue. <laughs> <laughs> with his hand up or something and you kept this guy's buying everything yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that Indian guy that sticks his hand up that, you know, right. yeah, that guy that guru yeah. have you seen that guy no there's a guru like, and what he does he's held his hand up for like 40 something years mm. so he's had as part of his kind of spiritual kind of journey he, he sticks his hand and so his whole hand and arm is atrophied so it's just like a twig but he can't now move it, so it's always permanently in this oh, posture. You'd hate yeah, to be yeah, in a classroom, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Questions, anybody? <laughs> oh, yes. Looks like uh, Mahatma, you've got a question again. <laughs> you have to, like, just put a hat on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. up as an ostrich or something. <laughs> <laughs> but if he does any puppeteering. <laughs> well, he has to now. <laughs> Well, I've seen that. Yeah, it's all withered and it's like it's frozen in place. It's yeah, like, yeah, you can't, you can't move it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a solid single bicep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like this. That'd be great. <laughs> so, uh, so Carly, so what's what's next in your world? What's what's going on? What what can we look forward to? Fighting, she's fighting again. Are you fighting? Are you no, making a comeback? No, I, <laughs> is that what I, I don't heard? Know. Yeah, I don't know. I you don't know. That's You're a not yes. Sure? I, 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 I have seen some training videos that you seem no, seemingly you still training. got it. You still I'm got it. Still got it. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, How old are you now? Twenty six next. Twenty six. Oh, okay. Twenty six next week. Yeah. Really? So when? Yeah. Oh wow. Ten okay. years. Ten years since you had your first fight. Then a ten year celebration. It's a ten year anniversary. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I know it sounds funny because I'm so young to say that. Oh yeah, I've had my fight career, but I feel like I've just got. I wear several hats, and I feel like you've got to do something well rather than several things half-assed. Mm. So I'm. I will fight again. <gasps> well, once is that perhaps, is this wow. perhaps it must be. twice. There we go. Really. Have, have you, have, first. Have, hang on, you've given thought to this. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I have, have you got an opponent? You've got an opponent matched already? <gasps> no, no, no. So that's one, uh, that's that's one, yes. one in mind. That's amazing. Somebody flashed in your I mind just so. then. Uh, <laughs> Neve, I'm coming for you. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's time. Ten years is coming. <laughs> um, no, so I would like to have one last Muay Thai fight in Thailand oh. to. That's I love it there. I love fighting there. It's the people, the atmosphere. It's it's the motherland of the sport. So mm-hmm. I'd like to finish up my Muay Thai journey there. That's the mm-hmm. last fight. That'll be the last one. Um, that's but there and, is and, some and you, but not an opponent in mind. It's uh, Marley, I think. Uh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He's opponent. finally going to get his chance. <laughs> You owe me, Carly. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, no opponent in mind. Just a a tie would be amazing. Like they're just uh, they're beautiful. They're beautiful to watch their style and whatnot. So that would be nice. But there is something on my bucket list that I've always wanted to tick off, Mm. and it's very different to what I do. But I would love to have just one boxing. Just, just to say that I've done it because I've always been a kicker. I like grappling, but I've never been 
a great puncher. Can we make it a trifecta and get you to do an MMA fight (laughs) at the same time? That's probably the most common (laughs) question that surely every fighter gets it, but, oh, are you going to go to MMA? Yeah. 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 Well, That'd be it, awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be great but, on the feet. But it's kind of, there's so much crossover, and I think we've come, kind of come out of that era where if you were good at something, you were going to eventually try and give MMA a go. It seemed that was the pathway. But mm. I think in the last maybe year or two, with the rise of uh, BJJ as a standalone yeah. sport, Muay Thai, Sambo. Sambo so a lot of these um, sports that maybe MMA had grown out of are now standing on their own and drawing their own audiences. So mm. there's not so much of that need for an athlete to feel like they've got a crossover. Mm. Um, but maybe you should. <laughs> no? Oh, no? Yeah. What, 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 what gets that kind of reaction? But boxing kind of, hmm, maybe... I think yeah. it's just I've got the striking in me. Like I'm a okay. striker. I love striking. I love teeing off. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like clinching in Muay Thai, but I've like I've done a bit of BJJ and I love it as a sport. Respect it, mm. but it's not. I don't have a passion for it, and yeah. I think it's very hard to compete or fight in something if you don't have a passion for it. So I would be gritting my teeth, not enjoying it. Whereas Muay Thai striking, I love it. Like it, during the session, I I really enjoy it, mm-hmm. and that's what fuels me to do it. So it's the, it's the hitting bit, isn't it? The hitting bit. It's the sound yes. of the pads getting yeah. smashed yeah. with the shin bone. Yeah. So um, I mean, it must, it must be a little bit difficult for you to be able to match up with somebody when you a world champion in your own respect in such a similar kind of discipline. Uh, you, you can't really just match up with somebody who's had a couple of fights, you know. So who who's out there that's of your quality? What's the pool of talent like? Yeah, in, in I the actually, world? I actually don't know. But like I said, like my mm. hands are my weak point ah, on my striking. So right. I feel like I can probably go for someone with their first fight, and it might be Charlie. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I'm not really sure how that would uh, how that would work, but I think it would be a very humbling experience. Mm, actually, just having to rely on my hands. Mm. In in the fights that you've you've had, is it always that you've you've won dominating with your footwork and your kicks, and it's like hands were sort of the last resort, or they were there, but they were and they were useful, but it was like I'd rather keep you at distance, use my teeth, use my my side kicks, leg kicks. Uh, as opposed to when, if they're trying to get in close, it's like, damn it, no, get distance again. Mm, uh, yeah, I would always, I use my hands to set up my legs mm-hmm. or to get into the clinch. They were not really that great standalone technique. Like, it's not that I can't punch, but in comparison to the other weapons, yeah. <laughs> they're pretty low. Right. Mm. <laughs> Isabella Rossitano comes to mind as a potential... Uh, oh, yeah, she's been into boxing uh, for a few match years. Match me up. There yeah. Yeah. She'd a, love that. That'd be an amazing She fight. would actually love that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd she's in a similar position. Go. Like, uh, as a female fighter, it's not the easiest to get matched up with somebody who's at a comparable level. Mm, yeah, and it's it, boxing, something that I'm learning, being a little bit more... Involved, even just as a spectator, is like amateur and pro are very different. The styles are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that thing of going from the two styles. So amateurs are a lot more fast-paced, um, point scoring, and the um, they almost don't allow big knocks to the head so the fight will, will finish quite quickly. Mm. Whereas obviously the pro style, which is what more related to what I've done, yeah. is... 
a little bit slower paced, a little bit more technical, bigger shots. They don't call it as quickly. So it's that mm. thing of amateur, pro, where do I sit? Mm. What do you like? And I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, I'm just going to have my one fight and go straight to pro. Mm. But then it's also knowing where I'll actually slot in to be able to do it. I don't really mm. know how it works. Like it's such a and would you foreign get, world. Would you go outside for, for boxing coaching, outside of your, your gym, outside of Boars? Or yeah, 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 I would because we're like we now, in the last month we have added boxing in, but I just find as a trainer at the gym, I like being able to train outside of my work environment. Like yep. it can be a bit hard to switch off. So yep. having someone else... Really does help. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't want to be halfway through training and somebody's like, Carly, mm-hmm. what's the password for the computer? And, and, and it happens all the time, all the time. But yeah, Muay, Muay Thai is what we're good at. Mm. So, and boxing and Muay Thai are completely different. Yeah, completely mm. different. Mm. So, have you been, have you been training in boxing recently? Just to sort I of, I have, have yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mm. just getting into it a little bit, finding the style. But I tell you what, when I go from boxing and then I do a Muay Thai session, <laughs> oh, it's like just such a relief. I'm like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> Tear my brain off now. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't have to think yeah, about it. Like the footwork's yeah. different, the stance is different, pace is different. Mm. It's just totally different. What's, what's been yeah. the what the biggest change between the two you've noticed? Uh, the footwork mm. and the stance. So, like, being used to being very relaxed and front-on and being able to rely on my legs mm. to to move someone. If they come to me, I can just stay still. I'm going to use my legs. Yeah. Boxing, I actually have to move my feet, and that's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. Like, and the, the head movement especially, you know, in Muay Thai, well, stop moving your head, just stay <laughs> composed. But in boxing, it's like, move your head. And that's quite challenging for me. Yeah. Because so yeah. so you, you've got all those neuro pathways that have been embedded since you were like three years old and now yeah. you're having to kind of get break that a little bit apart, take, take, decrystallise some of that. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And if I get in there and have a boxing fight, I don't want to get in there as a Muay Thai fighter yeah. and Muay Thai my way through with punching. I actually want to learn the style, you know, move like a boxer. Otherwise... Mm. You know, I'm not. I'm not learning. I'm not growing. So mm. I want to be able to adapt and mm. and do that. Maybe, maybe you can take the boxing like the the ceremony, like that. That's one of my favourite bits of the Muay Thai. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get the, 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 I don't. I don't want to be disrespectful and say the wrong things. You're going to say the, tennis racket, the, aren't you? Like the, the <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The squash racket squash on the head. The Kong. Mong Kong. Mong Kong. Mong Kong. Yep. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got it. So you don't want to upset any of this. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and and so you've got you've, you've got that, and you you've got like the like it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing. Like and and, yeah, and it, it seems is. to me all the the different fighters and the different clubs have got their own nuanced way about it. Like there's a general routine, but they uh, having said that, everybody's got their little peculiarities and idiosyncrasies with it. Um, is that something that you teach your fighters in your club? Like, is this is our style, this is what you do, this is why you do it? What, what's the whole thing behind all of that? Yeah, for sure. So it's that's probably one of the things I love so much about Muay Thai is the tradition behind it, and it's not that get in and, and smash on. It doesn't, like you guys have been to the show, it doesn't have that no. It's very respectful and it, it's beautiful to watch. And so obviously fighters wear the Mong Kong around their head um, and fighters can have their own aura club 
has theirs so it's quite a privilege to to have that put on your head um once you're in the ring they seal the ring um, uh, yeah so yep so, so that's banish all the spirits out and yeah yep, is that what it is good yeah. energy in bad energy out um right. and then some fighters will do it depending on their their level but it's called the ramoy so that's the traditional dance that you would have watched mm-hmm. paying respect to your opponent your trainer your loved ones every club has a slightly different one or again each fighter might have their own unique one so they're all the same concept but you there's unique differences between each person's yeah. crew ramoy and it is it's really if you see a good one it's really beautiful to watch it's yeah. just something that they're creating on their own you sort of give them a foundation of this is what you sort of got to cover and then they add their own elements in uh it can be yeah so i have a set one that i did uh as a fighter that i was taught in thailand from a trainer that i really respected so that's one that i held on to and one that i teach my students but um you know there's a couple of fighters that have been to thailand or they've they've trained other places and they've got their own elements that they add into it mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's actually a really cool thing and i think that's one of the things that draws me so much to muay thai is it, it for me it takes away that um that ego that fighting seems to have in the, mm. the outside world if somebody actually mm. goes and watches it it always shocked it like, wow, this is a lot more cultural and yeah. respectful than I thought, yeah. and that's beautiful. Absolutely, mm. yeah. It was it was interesting. Like I saw a couple of the the male fighters would come out and they'll be doing that performance, and some of the the moves they were doing would sort of look very feminine or, or whatever. But the the audience was very just sitting watching. You know, no one was like, oh, look at what are you doing? Stop dancing or you know whatever. It was it was actually really cool to see that, and everyone was like, oh, this is an interesting part of the performance and you get to see... Yeah, people are watching it almost as intently as the fight. Yeah, like that's just right. Just to pick up... Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then, you know, both fighters are doing that and then it's okay. And now here's... We've, we've turned the... I think that everyone has a different... St- is it the same music that's used during that performance for everybody? That... that yes, yeah. yeah they right. do their Y-Crew Ramoy. Yep, they all right. have the same same music. Mm, yeah. You know but not, that's not across the world. There's lots of different... There's lots of different Thai music that people might use, but it's all very general. It sounds almost the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the background but music. Yeah, it's like traditional Thai instruments that and, play the music. And is that does is that helpful as an athlete, like in terms of getting rhythm and timing? Oh, Are massively. you kind of matching in with that? Because I'd imagine it would be really difficult not to almost fall into the groove of the of the beat or the music or whatever's going on. Yeah, it's, it's massive. When I go to another fight show, if I go watch boxing or MMA, I feel so like uneasy watching the fight and there's no music going Mm. on but that's such a subconscious thing so when i hear the Thai music i don't know that it's playing it's just almost Mm. embedded in you and it's just it does help you move you know when you get in the ring it helps you relax and move and you're not just going to stand still when you can hear yeah the beat of the music so Mm. yeah it's it's interesting like the 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 physical um uh, interpretation of the music or the movement it, it seems very natural with that particular mm. traditional style of music. Like you can see the athlete almost like a almost like a snake. Like it has that bounce and that rhythm and that like almost yeah, the snake yeah. camera music. <laughs> yeah, like it's almost like the, there's there's that, and you see that uh, in the physicality of the athletes as they as they're moving moving around the ring, which you don't get with the with the boxing, yeah. like where it's all this jerky no, kind of movement. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah, like it's very fluid. 
yeah. movement. Mm. And with uh, if it's a five round fight, the music will slightly pick up each yeah. round, ready to go <laughs> to round five. So yeah, it is quite cool. I never yeah. even noticed that. Do we? Yeah. No, I've yeah. just been pulled along in the way. <laughs> the That's what's going on. Is that tr- traditional with with Muay Thai in Thailand or? You know, the first round or second round, they'll they'll quite start start quite slowly, and then they'll pick up speed towards the end of the fight, and that last sort of minute is mayhem <laughs> kind of thing. Is yeah. and it seems to be most fights sort of lead into that over there that I've seen. Uh, yeah, for sure. In in Thailand, they don't score the first two rounds; so oh. it's only the last three. So it's very much a feel out. Of the oh, opponent, didn't know that. Wow, whereas yeah, I didn't here know. we score rounds one to five. So mm. d- depending on the fighters is, is to what pace you'll get for five rounds. So Westerners, we tend to be on from start to finish, but tyres will take their time, feel it out, realise what shots they're going to use, etc., etc. So on the main event for Pride uh, 4, um, we obviously had a tie versus an Aussie. Yeah. Um, perhaps perhaps look. Yep, yep, and yeah. he um, he really did feel out in the first round, but because Nick's pace was so so relentless, consistent yeah. and relentless, he actually did pick it up. Which I think, well, I mean, he's fit anyway. It didn't make much of a difference, but <laughs> I think it would have been a he would have tried to sit into the pace a bit more, whereas he kind of had to pick it up a little bit. Mm. Yeah. yeah, when he was kicking the pads out the back, warming up, amazing. <laughs> We just heard this crashing sound every like five seconds. I was like, "What is that?" And, we <laughs> and, like, and there was like twenty people just standing there watching, going, "I was like, what?" And I walked over, and, and then it's just here, smack. I was like, "Oh my but there were god!" Fighters and trainers just like, <laughs> yeah. they weren't just normal people. <laughs> yeah, he was just an incredible athlete. I'm so grateful that I got to have him on the show, and South Australia got to watch that level of fighting and, yeah. and Nick did incredible as mm. well like he's such an exciting up and comer from SA it's it was such a great match absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and great for you to be able to provide that opportunity for Nick to be able to see what his level's like against some of the best international guys too oh 100% he right and he's, well. so, he's so deserving of it like that's where he's at and it, that proved it you know like and even didn't though he take that fight on like almost last moment as well I think it was a week's notice. Weeks I think Carly had matched up a woman versus Trapsaw. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I accidentally matched myself. I thought Meredith was a woman. <laughs> 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 like, oh no, uh, Nick, hang on, <laughs> we've got somebody for you. Who is it? Um, <coughs> Prepsaw. <Prepsuk. laughs> and you know what? That's how it went, and he jumped at it, and nice. that's he, Nick is a true champion. I'd say he's my favourite South Australian fighter. Right. He's He's right up there. That he wasn't yeah. far behind in he that. He wasn't fight. embarrassed at all. No, like absolutely. He, he had his moments. Stunning yeah. fight. Yeah. And on a week's notice. Yeah. Insane. Exactly. Incredible. Like he's he's up there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it was uh, it was inches in it within with that fight. It was at no point was he outclassed. He was right there. The he whole was way he through. was in it the whole time. Mm. The power the uh, it, like the power obviously from the tie kicks were insane. <laughs> yes. But mm. Nicks were. Nick's were on par. He did, he did really well. Mm. So who's your favourite uh, Muay Thai fighter right now? Right now, are we talking Australia-wise? We can. Let's say, let's say, we can say Australia, we can say In this room. Like, who, who's getting you excited <laughs> when you when you hear their name? You think, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to watch that fight. Doesn't sound like anybody. Gonna, no, <laughs> no, no, there's definitely a couple. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Jordan Godfrinson from, hopefully I'm saying that right, from WA. Mm-hmm. Very closely followed behind his stable mate, Shannon Gardner, who I fought, who fought Neve. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, and the two of them are just beautiful to watch. Their, their style is just amazing and they're just – they're those people that you like. They've just earned their spot in the sport. Like mm. they've done everything right. They've fought all the right people, and they're just they're awesome. So and I get excited to go and watch to watch them fight. Obviously, I live stream it because they're fighting all over. Yeah. But I get really excited to watch them fight. Mm. What are, What are some of those names that are in your own staple that you, th- you you think when the world finds out about this girl or this guy, it, it things are going to go nuts. I think my favourite combo right now is the brother and sister combo we've the got. Henry Godfrey. <laughs> yeah, uh, not only are they just, they're awesome in the ring, they know how to perform, like they are good entertainers, but they're just wicked people. Like they work hard, they're humble, they're respectful, they're coachable, they have the best attitude and I just think that is, that is a good fighter to me. You know, it's more than just what happens in the ring. It's who they are outside of the ring. Mm. And I think that they're the fighters, you know, when we've travelled, they're the fighters that promoters really like. Like, they're good people. They're thankful for the opportunities. And, yeah, so they they also make me quite excited. Mm. Especially because they love doing it together as well. So it's Mm. like that sibling fire a little bit as well. Yeah, the the smiling assassin, uh, Penny Godfrey there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so uh, we've got uh, Pride Fight Series. We're we coming back in 2024, bigger and better than ever before. Um, looking to May, was it? Yes, May, May and September yep. 2024. So uh, certainly put those dates aside. If people want to catch previous Pride Fight Series events, they'll be able to do that on the Pride Fight Series YouTube channel. Yes. So that's already up, but some of the fights are still to be uploaded. Yep, the, the main fights are still going up. Going up slowly, but uh, they're getting there. I'm not great with technology, so it takes me a bit longer than normal people. <laughs> <laughs> but we're almost there. So, so the, they're all getting up there. So free to wear, so you don't have to even go out there and uh, and, and pay your hard earned in order oh. to get the pay per views. You can you'll be able to get it free on YouTube. Mm. And if people want to know more about boars and what it is that you guys are doing there, maybe they've got a uh, a daughter or a son at home, and they're thinking, you know what, we've got to get them knowing something about how to look after themselves. How, how can people reach out to you guys? Yep. So they can just look up Boar's Martial Arts, Google, or on the socials. We're all over it. So, yeah. Mm, you're still doing the us. Females Fighting Forwards. Yeah. Is yep, it for, so fighting Forwards or Fighting yeah, First? Yes. Yep. Right. Females Fighting Forwards. So, yeah, that's still running strong. We've still got lots of uh, women coming into the gym and, and training hard. And we're doing a lot of school programs at the moment as well, which has been awesome. Fantastic. You, your gym really has an emphasis on, well, I mean, on everybody, everybody's included, but you've got a really strong contingent of female athletes, um, uh, a lot of you know, young kids making their way into the sport. It's a really nurturing, loving environment where if if you're a mum or dad and uh, and you want your kids to get, your, get the best start in martial arts and to understand the value of respect and to really look after themselves in the very best and most positive way, then boards should be a home for your kids to consider, I think. 
Thank mm. you. Yeah, That's so cool. um, and, and maybe just leave them there if they're really annoying. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we'll get them sorted out. That's right. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well, thank you so much for joining us again, Carly. It's always a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. It's wonderful to catch up with your journey and to see what's going on in the World of Pride Fight Series. And also really excited to hear about this uh, well, upcoming professional boxing bout. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, next Australian <laughs> boxing <laughs> female women's champion. And the fight that's going to happen in, in Thailand potentially as well mm. yes we'll see but thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> oh that's been great yeah. well uh, ladies and gentlemen there you have it carly gangel on the podcast once again a, a regular and a favorite of all of us here on the <laughs> daily combat podcast and i've been dave sober this is hollywood matt Connolly. he's got the biceps and we'll look forward to bringing you more next time <laughs>